Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. If you're remodeling or building a new home, you don't want to miss these podcasts. We share information about every component of your home. You'll learn about tile, appliances, cabinets, paint, flooring, lighting. We do cover it all. Well, today is November 2nd. I can't believe that we're almost at the end of the year and that we're heading into 2023. How exciting is that? Yeah, you might feel as exciting. I think it is. My guest today is Gil Olachea. Gil is actually a, a very knowledgeable tile and flooring person. Of course, the tile can go on the walls too. But he's also in his past life an engineer. So get ready for some real interesting information on vinyl flooring. You might want to take notes. So Gil, thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. Of course, everybody knows that you've been on this podcast several times, and usually we talk about tile, uh, the trends. Uh, I know you've explained how tile is made, but today vinyl is the uh, subject of the day. So knowing you, you want to let everybody know actually how, uh, how uh, vinyl started. Yeah, it's interesting that it started uh, in the late 1800s. It was by accident, a gentleman by the name of Frederick Walton, an Englishman, he noticed this rubbery, flexible skin on the surface of um, uh, linseed oil-based paint. And the more he played with it, the more he determined that there's something useful that could, be, that could come from that. And the, the more that he played with it, the more that he found that it could be used as a form of a covering for floors and walls. Um, the term linoleum is actually is a combination of two Latin words. Linum is for flax and oleum is for oil. So linoleum. Well, years ago, not, not that many years ago, I remember people referring to vinyl as VAT, vinyl asbestos tile. Interesting that they used to put asbestos in vinyl tiles. So, of course, I did some research, and they use that asbestos, which we now know is not something we want to be around, from 1960s to the 1980s. Um, it's sad to know that if you have it still in your house, if you want to rip it out, I think you have to get a... Um, uh, somebody who knows how to work with asbestos. They have to be certified because it is that dangerous, right? It's true. In yeah. fact, uh, it was used ex predominantly in the naval, uh, our, our military, the Navy, in uh, warships and ocean-faring ships because, and the, the asbestos was there to take the, the, the uh, rough uh, treatment that it was going to get from being at sea. Mm. So they stopped using it. They banned it, actually, in 1978. So if you have any flooring that you put down before 1978, I think you better check on it. I remember when I was a kid, and that's many, many, many years ago, people were using linoleum on their countertops. Yes. In fact, I grew up in a farmhouse uh, where we did the same. And it was very convenient to apply and just as convenient to remove and apply a new surface within just a matter of a fraction of an hour. Yeah, you can put it on your countertop without seams because it did come in, was it 12-foot rolls at that time as well? 
I cannot recall. Yeah, we were too young to even care about that. But I did go into a neighbor's house. It seems that I was interested in interiors since I was four years old. And and the first thing I noticed was, wow, she has her floor and her countertop matching. And, of course, in those days, you know, with linoleum, you couldn't do anything rounded, so you had to trim your countertop with metal. It was almost like an outside corner mold metal. Um, very ugly, but in those days, that's what they had to work with, right? <laughs> I recall that. Uh, in fact, I remember it being stainless steel around the counters that my grandmother had in yeah. her farmhouse. Yeah, I remember that, too. Okay, so now we're into today. We're noticing, you and I and everybody else, that these vinyl uh, planks, they look like wood, they come in grays and browns and whatever, we're seeing that all over the place. Uh, here in Arizona, every time I see a house for sale, they've flipped it, they've remodeled it, and lo and behold, they're using this vinyl tile. So um, give us a little information about what we're seeing and you know, what we should stay away from. Sure. As we've discussed, linoleum has been around for quite some time, and then it became uh, congolium, which was just a, a derivation of the original linoleum. Um, and interestingly enough, Congolium was invented, pseudo-invented by a company called United Roofing and Manufacturing. They manufactured what was called a Congo roof tile, and it was asphalt that came from the Congo region. Uh, hence, Cong Congolium was just taking, ripping off the latter end of linoleum and attaching Congo at the, at the front end of that word. That kind of took the marketplace and... Um, about the mid-60s. And so linoleum and congolium were really popular throughout the 60s. And as you mentioned, even through the 70s, it became something that was uh, much more robust by applying to the back of it an asbestos uh, base. Um, the sheet vinyl itself became was really just PVC. It's polyvinyl chloride. And the problem with poly polyvinyl chloride base materials, whether it was vinyl sheeting or anything of that nature, was that it was highly produced with oil-based petroleum-derived products. And once it was installed, it had a tendency to outgas or allow the, the petroleum to become vaporized. And you'd smell it. It'd smell like paint. Um, it was not good for humans or animals. Uh, over the time... It became something that was uh, not really highly embraced after a while. And to kind of change the market, some manufacturers thought, well, why don't we just call this luxury vinyl tile? LVT is the, the shortened version of that. And it became really popular just a few years ago. So today, LVT is extremely popular at all levels of construction, whether it's residential, commercial, industrial, hospitality, and even medical. Uh, it's really a resilient floor. It's uh, a composition of several layers to many layers of material that are laminated together that give you a, a nice tile format. Are you seeing that more and more people are going for the vinyl planks rather than tile? Yes, for several reasons. You don't see it much truly in the luxury home market. 
You do see it in entry-level markets, home markets, mid-level home markets. Uh, it's really popular because it's inexpensive, really easy to put in place, lots of design flexibility. And when you don't need it or want it or it's damaged, it's easy to pull up and replace. Well, how is it laid down or installed? Good, good question. Installation can vary, but it, what really impacts the result is going to be the person, the person's knowledge and experience. Um, you'll have people, installers, that will simply just prepare the floor, which is really paramount in this case, even more so than traditional tile. It's really paramount to prep the floor, and that means more than just sweeping the surface. You have to mop it with a special chemical, and before you apply the LVT to the floor, typically the floor here in the southwest is going to be a concrete slab. Uh, and it can be applied using a glue-down method or floating with no glue. It basically is just laid over the concrete, and that typically is done with a rigid core backing. So that LVT is a little thicker, about 3 16 of an inch thick, as opposed to the, to the thinner glue-down version LVT, which is about an eighth of an inch. I think one of the reasons why people like it, especially the do-it-yourselfers, is it snaps together. So you can snap the planks together and lay them it's so you don't have to grout anything, right? But let's talk about the problem if you don't have a backing, and this happened to me on a job, and they were gluing it directly to concrete, which they supposed to have been... Uh, prepping it by making sure everything was level. And, of course, I wasn't there when they were putting it in. But after they put it in, the light hits it, and you can see the little bumps, which means that there were some pebbles on the floor, and they didn't take the initiative to clean the floor and make sure it was pebble-free or dust-free or whatever. So you see that problem. Uh, also, I guess years ago I did this, and... It was not something that I swore I would never use this again. It wasn't something that I was proud of. And there were a lot of square footage. It happened to be in a commercial area. So rather than rip the whole thing out, we just said, well, you hardly even notice those little pebbles. But I did. So to uh, counteract that, you have to get a vinyl that's got a backing on it. So that and that costs more money, right? You're correct. Yeah, with LVT any, anymore today, you you run across really inexpensive formats available at big box brands, private label offerings, large commercial uh, organizations offered as well, and it's all price driven, which also drives quality. Uh, the old adage "you get what you pay for" really applies here. So you can. You can buy a plank. Oh, by the way, they do offer a tile format, which is more outside the plank. 12 by 24 inches, something that's pretty widely available. And I understand that some of the manufacturers are now looking at larger formats as well. But planks are much more popular because they resemble wood. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can even get textured or smooth. 
Uh, you can get, like you said, the different widths. Sometimes I have to actually touch it to see if it's vinyl or if it's real wood. I mean, it looks that close to it. But I have to say, those are the ones that are very expensive. Yes. So, yes. Where, yeah, where people would say, you know, it's vinyl. Vinyl is vinyl. You know, we're doing our house over or we're going to flip a house. Let's just get the cheapest. And that's what you're going to end up with. What you pay for is garbage when you're looking at cheap, cheap. Yeah, correct. The quality has such wide variance. In fact, you mentioned snapping together. The really low-end LVT uh, doesn't have the snap feature. It just actually butts up against each other and... uh, you can buy it for something like about two ninety nine to three ninety nine a square foot. Um, the more expensive product, which is like six to ten dollars a square foot, does have that snap feature to it, which does make for a much more robust flooring. Is much thicker. The quality is much better as well. And generally, the quality is driven by two different components: the backing as well as the construction of the layers that go into formulating what you actually see, what you stand on. This last job that I did, and we used vinyl planks, and it had a backing to it, the installer laid it over tile. It was ceramic tile. That saved a lot of money because they didn't have to rip the tile up. So if you know what you're doing, you can do this. Correct. Yeah, you can actually just lay a thin layer of adhesive or in uh, a different type of a thin set over the existing flooring, whether it's porcelain tile or stone tile and then lay down the lvt with the backing the the thicker lvt tile over the existing floor or the existing tile and it will perform nicely and will actually reduce the amount of money that you have to put into place to demolition which is to remove the existing flooring and it can also be a very dirty operation Mm. did you say sturdy or dirty dirty Dirty. That's Dirty. what I thought you said. So yep. this sounds like if you buy uh, middle-of-the-road price, it would be good for, for flipping a house if you don't really care. If you are living in your house and you have to do the flooring over, I would suggest you have to see where you're putting it and how you're using it. I understand that the good quality can withstand the dogs and cats running around, Correct. Right. The higher quality is going to have more layers to the construction and will resist lots of wear and tear in a residential and commercial environment. Um, so the, the lower end quality LVT usually has like about three layers. The first layer is a, is a first line of defense, very thin, generally the thickness of one to two human hair hairs. Then there's a second layer. That's what you actually see as a pattern. Uh, which looks like wood, and many cases also is available in a stone look. And then there's a third layer, which is actually the printed or the patterning. So you have print pattern, then color over that, and then the, the resistance uh, is the top layer. Hmm. So if you're, and I know you know everything about this, if you're installing it over tile, um, if you have a couple of hollow spots in your tile, which means when you tap on it or you walk on it, you can hear some clicking sounds that means that you don't have enough mortar under your tile and that's what they call a void in there does that matter if you're laying the vinyl over your tile if you have a backing or a base backer to the lvt 
uh, no, it doesn't matter. It, that's something that compensates for irregularities in the substrate. Hmm. Um, would this be able to be used in a bathroom? Yes, in fact, it can be. It, uh, it's been in, improved such over the years that even when it gets wet and there's water that has been spilled on the surface and actually gets through to it, it resists water contamination. It will evaporate without leaving any real issues as opposed to other types of um, flooring material like carpet and rugs. Yeah, but I would suggest that if you do spill water on it or if your dog has an accident, don't just leave it there. Yeah, absolutely, because it, it will. water will seek its path and it'll get into a crack and it'll seek its way through to the base, which in this case would be the concrete slab. And over time, if it doesn't evaporate, you could have an issue with mold or you know, a, a situation where it's going to continue to stink and smell in your mm. what you brought up as being maybe dog urine, urine or something of that nature. Yeah. Okay, well, before we go on, because I have a couple more questions, I want to talk about Studio 41. Talking about putting vinyl in your bathroom, did you know that Studio 41 has the largest selection of bathroom and kitchen fixtures? Also has cabinets and the largest selection of cabinet hardware that I've ever seen. Studio 41 is in Scottsdale, and that's the one that I use all the time. But they also have 14 showrooms in Illinois. I don't live in Illinois. Luckily, I live in Arizona, so I use their Scottsdale showroom. But you can always go onto their website at shopstudio41.com. If you see anything that you would like, you can order online. I would suggest that you do that. Their selection is unbelievable. And in the, uh, in the uh, Illinois showrooms, they also have windows. They don't have it in Scottsdale, but they do have it in uh, Illinois. So check them out. It's shopstudio41.com. Well, getting back to my questions, and this, I'm going to refer to the job that I did about two years ago. We had stairs. What do you do at the uh, turn, the downturn on the edges of the stairs? Yeah, great question. The flexibility of the LVT is such that it will actually go around smooth, uh, pardon me, uh, curvatures or radius that are not so tight, like one inch, as, as tight as one inch, which would be in line with most stair applications. But also we purchased um, stair edges, which was very interesting. They're like little caps, like outside corner mold, like I said about the right. uh, tile. So you snap them on. And then we got um, baseboard trim to match. So all the parts and pieces are available. I was amazed that they have thought of everything. Everything matches color-wise. You just have to be careful about the quality. You don't want to slip on you know, sliding into that hole of cheap and then uh, when you do go cheap, they wouldn't have any of the trim pieces, possibly. Um, and you can also touch the, the surface of it, and you can almost tell that it's cheaper than if you went to the uh, better quality. Yeah, interesting. The touch test really applies here. You can take two type or two levels of quality LVT, put them side by side, then you'll actually be able to visually determine which is a higher quality. It will actually become apparent. And then the touch test as well is just it, 
it's remarkable how the higher quality LVT has a much better, smoother feel to it. Um, I'm going to swing over to tiles right now. I think that applies to everything that you purchase. A cheap tile versus a good tile, and uh, we've talked about that on a podcast. Uh, Gil explained the differences, um, whether it's cabinets, cheap, you know, they ha- everything is good, better, best. If you decide that you have a very small budget and you're going to be in the house a couple of years you know, you might be able to get away with the good quality as far as cabinets or countertops or flooring, light fixtures, everything. I mean, it's not it's not the design that drives the cost of the remodel. It's the choices that you make. And nobody knows your budget better than you. So if you decide you are going to be standing on the floor, because that's gets a lot of use. You want to spend maybe a little more money in a good quality floor and maybe chintz a little on the cabinetry. Not too much, but you know there are definitely different levels of quality out there that's available. Uh, oh, you know what? Let's talk a little bit about the the negatives on uh, the vinyl side. It can be dented. You want to explain that? Yeah, the lower quality LVT, in spite of the fact is it's, it is vinyl and it is resilient, it will resist most dents. But if you drop something with a, a sharp edge, not a knife, but a sharp edge onto the surface, it, it can destroy or break down the, the layers just below the first line of defense and the wear resistance. And it will not return to its original construct. Um, it won't look terrible, but you'll certainly see it. And again, it depends upon what you're dropping. A, a cast iron skillet is going to leave more of a dent than maybe an aluminum frying pan. So what happens if you do drop a knife? A knife, if it's pointed edge down, you're going to pierce the layers, and there's uh, nothing you do about that. There are methods for repairing it. There are kits that are actually available by most of the manufacturers, the most high, higher-end quality manufacturers that will allow you to, to repair it and minimize the impact. The low-quality type products, as you mentioned before, there's not much that goes along with it in terms of trim or molding or edge treatment. You're not going to get much in terms of repairing it. You do the best you can with um, uh, vinyl repair from your big box uh, home, home repair centers. Yeah. Over the years, I've seen a lot of damage uh, being done by refrigerators when people pull them out. A lot of times with the tile, they'll scrape the tile. Now, if they scrape this vinyl, do you think it's possible that you can do a patch? In other words, cut some of the vinyl out and then patch that with a piece that you've saved. Because as we always say, no matter what you do, that's why you have a garage or a carport. If you're going to do a vinyl flooring and you have a couple of pieces left over, you don't want to throw them out. They're good for repair. So do you think, Gil, that somebody can, say, cut a hole if their refrigerator scraped the vinyl and you know it was obvious that it has to be fixed? Or maybe they take the whole plank out. I don't know. Yeah, in this case, you can actually do that kind of a repair, but because it is a plank uh, and you purchase enough what's called attic stock, is what you're referring to as maybe a garage stock, removing the panels or planks is easier, better than actually trying to wrestle around removing 
the scraped areas and replacing it with something that's going to look similar. It's You're going to have a, a very significant telltale sign trying to remove and replace it rather than removing the plank and replacing it with another plank or planks. So that's a good point, because if you do buy a house that has vinyl, number one, make sure that the seller gives you the name of the vinyl flooring, and actually they should supply you with the name of everything. All of the um, care and maintenance on your appliances, uh, who made your cabinets, who did your countertops. But on flooring, you should ask if there's any extra pieces left over, because I've had clients that have been in that situation. What are you supposed to do? You know, you don't want to do the whole floor because one tile cracked. Um, Sometimes you do have to figure out how to be very creative. But what about walking, shoe scuffing? Does that happen on vinyl? It does. Uh, Again, back to low versus high quality LVT, the lower quality is going to take on more scuffing and you'll see it than the higher quality LVTs. So um, one of the pluses is that it does resist the high quality LVTs, really resists shoe scuffing or heel scuffing in many, many cases. And if you do come up with a scuff, just a simple microfiber cloth and a little bit of moderate, with a little bit of moderate pressure, you can actually rub it out. When vinyl first came out, it was kind of soft and it didn't have a backing. And do you remember people with those really high spike heels with the metal at the end of the heels, like a little sole? It was metal. It would ruin your floor in a minute. Yes, yes. You almost want to tell people, get your, get your shoes off when you walk into my house. Unfortunately, if you had a commercial um, institution and you had the vinyl, you couldn't do anything about it. You couldn't tell your customers to take your shoes off. But those were a killer on uh, vinyl flooring. Yeah, those are years gone by. Today, it's it's something that's almost unheard of because of the quality and the technology. Uh, again, just goes right back to you you get what you pay for. Yeah. Low end, low end quality is going to perform low end. Well, what do you suggest for cleaning vinyl? Cleaning is very, very easy in vinyl. In most cases, it's nothing more than just a damp cloth, a damp microfiber cloth. Uh, there are special agents that are um, produced by most of the big brand manufacturers that they have their own chemical. It's a pH balanced, doesn't really affect anything, and it cleans most uh, surfaces of virtually everything, including some scuffing. Hmm. That almost makes me want to use that. Um, So when we uh, come back, I want to talk about monogram. Then we'll uh, bring up the subject that's very important to all of us. Monogram has intelligent appliances. So you're talking about smart appliances, and you can use your smart vinyl flooring to go with your kitchen smart appliances. And if you're going to buy a smart appliance, Monogram has a big selection. Uh, You've got to make sure that you know how to use it and that you can put the app on your phone, but you cannot use the app if you don't have smart appliances. So one goes with the other. And they're easy to learn how to use, how to program. Um, If you're not sure about smart appliances, if you don't have a smartphone, well, then you can't use the app. But you can still use the appliance, and you can tell your appliance by using Alexa what to do, when to turn it on. 
Um, but they're also having a special, and I'm going to tell you about that. You go to your showroom, your local showroom, and they have one for uh, free. If you buy one, you get one free. Now, that's a good deal. I think it's called one for you, one for free. Um, something like that, but it's, uh, they've got a whole list of what you can buy for what you can get free. So I would suggest if you're in the market for appliances, you have to look at the monogram website, monogram.com. They'll tell you all about it. Go to your local showroom, ask what's going on, make sure that you pick an appliance that fits your lifestyle, your budget, and the way you cook, you know, no sense getting a 48-inch pro range if you only heat up stuff in the microwave. That's, uh, I wouldn't suggest that. Anyway, check out their website, monogram.com. Gil, let's talk about the supply chain. Oh, my gosh. My least favorite subject. I know. That's why I saved it for last. Yes, the uh, we still have. I, I'm experiencing still see supply chain issues. It's a, a woe that I deal with on a daily basis. Uh, everything from getting raw materials by our vendors wherever they may be, even stateside. Most of my vendors, 85% of my vendors, are right here in the states, and they have issues getting their raw materials. Everything from clay to glazes to um, different replacement materials and components for their furnaces and other things of that nature. Uh, and that affects everything from delivery to even the availability of materials that were once available two years ago. Um, every day I'm finding, I'm, I'm faced and forced with finding replacement products that have been discontinued or just cannot be produced within a reasonable time frame. And reasonable for me is like less than eight weeks. Uh, even products that were at one point in time used to be in stock, proverbially speaking, in stock, just are no longer in stock. They can have 25 square feet when you actually need 2,500 square feet. That just doesn't exist any longer. So planning and forecasting, projecting your needs is very crucial now. And if you see something you like, you love it, you want it, buy it now. Don't wait or at least put your order in place now. Because if it comes back to you that the order is not going to be delivered for 10 weeks or so, and you just can't tolerate that, you always have time now to go back and reselect. Don't wait to the very last moment. I'm constantly faced with contractors, and not to slam them, but it's true that they place the orders, they, and they wait until two weeks prior to when they need the product. And then they have a fit when they realize that it's not available, won't be available for four to eight weeks or even longer. And don't cut the time short, because if you think, okay, it's going to take 10 weeks, I can use it in 10 weeks, allow yourself extra time, because the tile can come in damaged. It's nobody's fault. You can't scream at your salesperson or your tile rep. You can't go blaming other people. It happens. So you just have to be patient. Right. You and I shared a project very yes, recent we where, where we had a very large format tile porcelain uh, that had to be delivered, ordered and delivered three separate times uh, because of just freight issues and delays. And that's just part of our environment. It's part of our business environment that we deal with con continuously. Yeah. And luckily, my client has a lot of patience, and she's got a, um, a good attitude. She understood. But a lot of times, you have to look at the project and say, okay, 
She has water. She has a stove. She has a refrigerator. What are we stopping? She can still run her house. Maybe the tile going on the fireplace is the one, actually, it's the one that we had to uh, wait for extra time. It wasn't stopping her from living in the house. So you have to uh, be grateful what you have. You know it's going to come eventually, and you just be patient. Yelling at your salesperson is not going to get it sooner. And if you think that you're going to cancel the order in midstream, forget it. What happens then, Gil? Well, you're faced with cancellation fees, restocking fees, freight fees, and before you know it, you're into the product for more than what you actually paid. All right. But at the end of the day, when everything is complete, you can look at the project and say, okay, so it took me three months longer, but now it's beautiful, it's complete, you're happy, or you have a client that's happy. So, you know, compare it to the severe things that happen. I I don't want to bring up any of the negatives, but um, luckily we uh, don't live in Ukraine, right? Yes. Okay. Well, this has been really helpful. I hope everybody took notes because this is the newest thing that's hitting the market. I'm seeing it constantly. Um, you can go on Pinterest and you can see all the pictures of the remodels that people put on. And they've, they've picked the wood tones, the gray tones. We don't want to get into colors because that's another whole podcast of the trends. But I think this was helpful. Gil, thank you so much for joining us today. You are welcome. It was a pleasure sharing what I know and and my experience. Yes. I mean, absolutely. Every podcast we do, you're just a plethora of information. I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. And please subscribe on the platform that you're using to listen to these podcasts. I do podcasts every single week about something having to do with your home. And so as soon as they're published every Wednesday, that will pop up on your phone or your computer as soon as I publish it. So subscribe, please. And if you want to learn more about me, go to nancyhugo.com. And if you have any questions for me or for Gil about any type of flooring or tile or vinyl, please email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. Stay safe and have a great day, and thanks for listening. Bye, Gil. Bye, Nancy. Bye.